Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the we won, we're going to Europe of the podcast. It is an inevitability and I'm joined by the we lost, we're definitely getting relegated of the podcast, Tom Woodhead, full on the looking ominous. And finally, the sobering reality of the podcast, we're finishing in 12th place, it's Joe Hill. Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um... I'm actually completely fine with finishing in 12th place. That sounds absolutely perfect to me. I would have snapped your hand off at the beginning of the season if someone had offered that. So yeah, that's uh, that's quite positive for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking 12th as well. And another man who I suspect will take 12th is Tom Woodhead. I will. I'm back for the first time in a while for a full solid four hours of diamond hard strike chat. <laughs> <laughs> this is a strike free zone today so uh, we shall not mention his name past here actually we will but let's pretend not and I think by the time we uh, we do mention him it'll be deep into the podcast so maybe you'll stick around so um, let's begin though we are going to talk about Wolves today but let's begin by having a, a chat about the news and then uh, we're going to introduce a icebreaker topic but we'll start with the news and the only news of note that we could think of was Rodrigo being back in training so Tom Woodhead how do you feel about Rodrigo being back? It's been interesting him not being around, but what do you make of his impact on the team and his absence from the team? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I don't think we missed him as much as we maybe would have thought we would uh, when he first got injured. Um, and I suppose the most interesting thing that's come out of his injury is Tyler Roberts stepping up and looking like a useful member of the squad again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when... Uh, he does come back, uh, and I assume Rodrigo will come back onto the bench first, probably. And then, you know, where does he stand in the short-term pecking order? Uh, will Bielsa immediately stick him back above Roberts again, or will Roberts get more chances to show what he can do? Joe Hill, how do you feel about Rodrigo returning? It's an interesting one, really, because I think at the start of the season, he was potentially having a bigger impact, sort of, the first five to ten games. Um, and then... 
there's kind of been a, a midfield crisis where him and Click just didn't seem to work together um, and our press could get beaten so easily. And I have mentioned this about Rodrigo before that I'm not sure his pressing is quite at the level that it needs to be. Um, and obviously now the, the midfield's looking pretty decent with um, Click and Dallas both playing there um, the past sort of five games-ish. Um so I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he fits back in the team. Like, if does he make the starting eleven every time? Does he displace Click, and then you see Rod, uh, Rodrigo and Dallas starting? I'm not. I'm not really sure to be honest. I'm. I'm quite happy with Click and Dallas at the moment. So I kind of agree with Tom that I think he's going to be on the bench, and it'll be interesting to see if he can make an impact off the bench. I do think he was very unlucky in getting injured at the time he did, just as Dallas came into midfield, and we started to look more solid. I, th- I think he possibly could have done just as good a job as Click has done over the last few games, but he obviously hasn't had the opportunity to show it. I do think that that is something that needs to be considered. And I, I, I suppose we do need to consider the fact that Mateusz Click is, I guess, injured at the moment. Um, certainly some kind of issue with his hip going on. Uh, no doubt that he picked up on the, the wonderful surface of Elland Road. He's foreshored it. He's, yeah, he's foreshored it, yeah. So no doubt he'll be off to wherever they send the midfielders, <laughs> Dignitas or whatever it is, <laughs> in the Legion United medical team. So um, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot up for grabs in terms of the midfield positions at the moment. And I still feel as though, <laughs> I still feel as though that midfield hasn't really worked at any point in this season. Um, and let's hope that, that we will at some point have a full um, tranche of midfielders available to us to pick from. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I'm talking about utopia there. But speaking of midfielders, we did want to have a little bit of a chat about Jamie Shackleton this morning. Um, Josh Hobbs was very disappointed with how down we were on on Jamie Shackleton after the after the last podcast. So I thought it would be good to just return to the, the question of, of Jamie Shackleton, where we see him fitting into this team. Um, I have a lot of questions about Jamie Shackleton. Why, for example, does Bielsa seem really reticent to play him in a central midfield spot? Um, and it seemed, even on the weekend, it seemed as though he played Niall Huggins in that spot ahead of Shackleton before switching them around. Um, so I'll throw this one over to to the to you two, but we'll start with Joe. Joe, what's your what's your sort of general take on on Shackleton as a Leeds United player? I absolutely love Shackleton. Um I want to say that from the off because he's he's actually one of my favourite players. I I love what, watching him play. I think he's really exciting to watch. I think he's really pacey and I th- I think a lot of that comes from the playoffs as well because you know they I know we sort of <laughs> screwed it up, but they were they were really fun games. Um, they were they were really exciting, and I think Shackleton did extremely well in those games and really showed what he's about in in central midfield. And I, th- I guess since then, I've just been wanting to see more of him. Um, and it was great to see him play um, the other day against Arsenal. But yeah, I think I think he's probably I think he is probably better in central midfield. So I'm not sure why why Bielsa is maybe a bit reluctant to play him there. Um, and you know we were sort of talking about this in the chat this morning and wondering if that's to do with his physicality and I'm wondering what you guys think of that really because I'm not sure it seems like kind of an easy thing to say just because he's quite small and quite slight that um you know his physicality must be the problem but I I sort of agree like when you when you do watch him he isn't that physical and I do like to see players being quite physical and dominating the ball in in central midfield areas and I'm just not sure whether he can do that or not. I I definitely agree that just saying he's not physical it does feel like quite a sort of 
retrograde thing to say. It does it feels like overly simplistic, but I can't think of many more obvious things. And I, I think it is definitely an issue that not not obviously he's very quick and um, he can get about the pitch, but I think just in terms of balance and physical strength, he's struggled. And my, my main issue with Shackleton is, and it's not necessarily his fault um, because he's had a lot of injuries and you often he gets injured just as he comes into the team. But I don't really feel he's particularly progressed from the player he was in Bielsa's first season. Um, I don't think he's necessarily got any better. If anything, he seems to have become more conservative uh, because and and he seems a bit more worried about making mistakes than he did when when he first came into the team. This often happens with young players as they get older, but with him, it doesn't seem to have resulted in him becoming better because he's less prone to mistakes. It seems to have recorded him. It, if anything made him slightly less effective because he's less willing to try things. And my main problem with him in the Arsenal game was that no one seemed to want to pass to him in that first half, even though he did have some space and he was in areas that Ailing would normally take up and normally that ball would be given to Ailing and he'd be allowed to progress it up the pitch. But Ailing himself had the ball as a centre-back and for whatever reason didn't seem to quite trust Shackleton in the same way that other players would trust Ailing. So if the play if the players are feeling that, and, and that's just a hunch. I, I don't know if that's actually true, but that, I certainly got that impression. Um, I think that's a problem. You can't have that in a team like ours. It's just hard to judge players, right? I think one of the things that I think about Jamie Shackleton is that part of the reason that he's a popular player is because he looks busy. And I think fans like players who look busy as a general rule. I guess I apply that sort of logic and 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 kind of think, well, what's the opposite of that? If we take away like his busyness, and we think about what it is that, that he's doing on the field. Where, where does that leave us? I always just get, get this gnawing sense with Jamie Shackleton that it's just not going to work out for him at Leeds, certainly under Bielsa. Because, you know, a lot of people do say, well, his best position is centre midfield, but Bielsa never plays him there unless he sort of has his hand forced by uh, the fact that he's playing under 23s in the, the full 11. So... I'm I'm not sure what what I think about about Jamie Shackleton. I have to I'd have to do a little bit of digging under the under the bonnet for for the numbers and see what I know that's a cop out answer. Um, but I would be interested to see how how his stats look this season. Before we move on, I'm I'm just sort of interested to hear from you guys. Like, what is it that we think that Jamie Shackleton does well? Well, for for me, um, I. <laughs> It's funny because I I think I am in that category of fans that you described that I like Jamie Shackleton and and I, because he looks busy you know maybe that's me and I'm sort of reconsidering um, whether whether he is any good or whether I I just fall into that category and I th- I think the the thing that with, without sounding like I'm just you know falling into that category I think he. He looks busy, but I think he is busy. I think he he runs a lot. I think he does a lot of hard work. Um, he's he's pacey. He he moves around a lot and gets gets into good positions. You know when we when we're playing out from the back, like you say, it's maybe there's a reluctance to play the ball to him because on the ball, um, he isn't that good. And I'm not, I'm not sure about that. This is just speculation, but I think maybe maybe um, the conclusion is that his off the ball work is far better than his on the ball work, and that's why people are reluctant to give him the ball. Um, another thing that I wanted to add is that I think pe- players like Strauk have been lucky in a way um, that there's been plenty of injuries at centre back because Strauk has had a, a, a quite a few games um, in that position, and he's had chance to develop and sort of show what he's made of and Shackleton hasn't really had that chance we I don't don't feel like we've properly seen him since the playoffs and I think if you know I'm not, 
obviously no one wants any players to get injured, but if we did have an injury to Ailing, for example, and he was out for a couple of months, if we saw Shackleton playing at a right-back role week in, week out, I think he'd have that chance to develop. And I think that's maybe just one thing that's holding him back is that, like you say, in centre midfield, we've got Click, we've got Dallas, we've got Rodrigo, and Ailing is a fantastic right-back. So, And Ailing hasn't really got injured recently, so he's not really had that same chance. So... In a weird way, I think I think that could be holding him back, and I think that I one thing that could develop his his playing and his on the ball work is just playing week in week out. So in a way, in a, in a way, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see us get a, an injury in that area <laughs> just to see him. I do think I do think that he is very dynamic. I do think he's good on the ball. I think he is a, a good ball player. I think we saw it at the at the weekend when he played that through ball to Pat Bamford for the the chance that. Um, well, the the penalty shout that wasn't given. I think that's good play um, and that's smart play and he does that a lot. Um, I think that maybe his downfall in this team has been that he's been the third in the pecking order for that more attacking eight position, uh, the more advanced eight position. Um, and he's he's never going to get into that slot, I don't think, because one of Click or Rodrigo is going to be fit ahead of him. Um, and and so I think a lot of it probably comes down to that. I don't think I'd have a problem with Dallas and Shackleton playing side by side. I do think perhaps the worry there is that it is quite an important position creatively, and so maybe maybe Bielsa feels as though it's a bit of a risk to blood a player in that position. But I mean, when's he ever going to get blooded if he if he can't play in the in the first team and he's not playing in the twenty threes? Like you, you you're sort of caught in that liminal state between the two. But Tom Woodhead, I'll give you the final word on this. What's what what do you make of all of this? Well, to come back to the physicality thing again, which I know might be a boring drum to bang, but I've just been looking up some photographs of Stuart Dallas around the age that Jamie Shackleton is now, and you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a simplistic way of looking at it because obviously you've got, you know, conditioning that Shackleton probably has that Dallas wouldn't have had growing up but because um, he, you know, started playing in the League of Ireland. But, or was it, I'm not sure if it was League of Ireland or non-Irish League. But um, uh, if you look at him, I mean, he's done a hell of a lot of filling out since then. And I think, obviously, Bielsa is only going to be here for a finite amount of time. We don't know how long that is. But I think the, the, there's definitely strength that can be you know, added to Shackleton and he can become that more physical player. What what I wouldn't be surprised to see if, depending on how the rest of the season goes, you know, if Shackleton doesn't get much of a look in, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe have a loan in the championship next season because I think that could really, really develop him as a player. And that's not me saying I don't like Jamie Shackleton or I think he's shit or anything like that. I think in the championship, he would be, you know, he could easily get into the first team of a, you know, club that's chasing the playoffs or something and play, you know, 40, 45 games so maybe that will be his next port of call, but I'd obviously prefer him to come into our first team and do well, but we'll see. Well, if we get Josh Hobbs on the uh, question and answer stream for our patrons on Thursday, we can put this question to him and see uh, what his take is. Maybe we can show them the pictures of young, unbearded Stuart <laughs> yeah. Alice as well. And hopefully you'll be out of prison by then. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move on. Let's talk about Wolves because this week I was lucky enough to talk to Dave Azapardi who works for Talking Wolves and also Football Manager. This is what he had to say about Wolves. So Dave, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. It uh, seems like quite a while since you were on last time, but um, I guess since we've played, things haven't really gone as well for Wolves as they have, have in the past in the Premier League. What do you think has gone wrong this season? 
I think it's a combination of a few things, really. Obviously, the obvious one is injuries. Uh, Wolves aren't the only team to have had that issue this season. There's plenty of teams across the league with the same issue. Um, but I still look back to the start of the season, the pre-season for us, really. It was almost non-existent um, because of us being in Europe last season. We came back into training late and then they had the ridiculous international break right before the season started. So... Wolves had less than a, a week together before the season started um, and we just haven't been able to get any sort of consistency going really. So um, yeah, it's it's been disappointing. Um, things could be a lot worse, but at the same time, I think fans were probably hoping things would be a little bit better at this stage of the season. Seems as though recently there's been a few Wolves fans calling for Nuno to go. Um, I don't know whether or not that's just the bubble that I exist in, but how representative would you say of this this is of the Wolves fan base in general and how are you feeling about Nuno at the moment? No, there, there is definitely a number of fans that uh, have been disappointed and a number of fans that think uh, the club could look elsewhere to improve things. Um, for me personally, I'm very much Nuno in. Um, I can understand why people are upset because, you know, he set himself a really big, like really big standard, high standard really, for coming into the club, winning the championship and getting two seventh place finishes straight away in the Premier League. So... You know, as a Wolves fan, uh, over the last three years, you're expecting just to keep improving and improving. Obviously, this season has been a bit of a strange one and it hasn't been the case. But um, yeah, I am I think the club have learned from early mistakes when Foson first took over. They chopped and changed way too quickly. And I think, you know, Nuno deserves a little bit more respect and a little bit more loyalty. Um, he's had some bad patches before, possibly not as bad as this, uh, but he's always come out stronger on the other side so I'm happy uh, that we've stuck with him um, and we'll see what the situation is at the end of the season but things last couple of weeks anyway things seem to have improved so I'm hoping that with some key players coming back where things will continue to improve and Nuno can keep his place as manager. How much of this do you think comes down to the fact that you are quite a defensive team who did rely on Jimenez as a as a finisher, is that the? Presumably, that's not the long-term goal for for Nuno's um, sort of ideal setup. So, so where do you think the club goes from here? Is it is it a case of just bringing in better players and better players, and then being able to change the tactics, or what? Yeah, I, th I think so. In regards to the tactics, I mean, last season when we were knocked out of the Europa League, we lost to Sevilla one nil, and we had we were really poor. Uh, but I don't know what it was really. We just sat deep the whole game, had very little possession. I don't know whether it was Nuno's game plan or the players were just that tired, you know, after such a long season. Uh, but he said after that game that he wanted to change the way Wolves played because you know we were so well known for this sort of five at the back system and counter attacking, and he wanted Wolves to be more possession based and more attacking and it just hasn't it's not really been the case this season to be honest which has been a little bit strange he's changed systems he's changed tactics and we changed the tactic uh, just uh, just before Jimenez got injured so that probably put a big spanner in the works because like you say we're so reliant on Jimenez Nuno is a defensive manager no doubt about it uh, you know he, he, as a player he was you know he's playing under Mourinho who's a very similar sort of manager um, but you know us as fans, you want to see attacking football. You don't mind a defensive display if you know you're going to get three points, but if you're watching your team play 90 minutes with 11 men behind the ball and you don't get anything out of the game, that's when it gets really frustrating. So to take Wolves to the next level, I think we do need to still spend. You could argue our spending hasn't been fantastic over the last few windows, um, but I think players like him and as a pivotal. I think the issue for Wolves is that at the moment, they're holding sentiment to a lot of players, such as possibly Connor Cody, 
who I think a lot of Wolves fans know we can get a lot better than him. Uh, we need an elite centre-back, really. So I know it's harsh, but players like Connor Cody are probably going to be the ones that Wolves need to improve on if they want to go to the next step. You've mentioned that there have been tactical tweaks. Uh, let's talk about this season. How, how much of a tactical change have you seen this season? Well, we started the season... Uh, very similarly to last year, really, when we when we had the first game of the season against Sheffield United, we seemed we seemed to be a little bit more attacking. We got a win there. Uh, I, as a fan, was rubbing my hands together, thinking, right, this is going to be a cracking season. Um, and then there were a couple of really poor performances. I don't know if we tried to play the same way and just got caught out a little bit too much, such as four 0 defeat to. Uh, to West Ham and so on. Um, and then there was a game just after an international break where Connor Cody was isolating. Um, obviously, he was such a big part of the back five system. Uh, and Nuno switched to a back four. We've never seen that before uh, under him, uh, even throughout the championship days. We've never seen him play a back four. And uh, we played that against Southampton. And although it was a little bit shaky at the back, which you would expect for the first ever time playing that system, going forward, we were fantastic. And that's what fans really wanted. We were attacking. We hadn't really seen that in a long time with Wolves. Um, but it was a tough one, really. When we didn't have the players fit, which, you know, we've had issues with injuries, the back four system was way too shaky. Um, and, you know, we were relying way too much on those forward players. And at the time, you know, you got Fabio Silva, you got Patrick Catrone, who weren't really firing. And we didn't have, you know, someone up front to spearhead any attacking moves. So for the time being, we switched back to the back five. But the last few weeks, it's been okay again. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it was like a 4-2-3-1 we were playing. That may return in the future, especially when Jimenez returns from injury. What do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for you in the second half of the season? I think what, what we'll need to do is just improve. The challenges are, you know, just trying to keep our players fit and get a consistent 11. The first couple of years when we were in the Premier League, our, you could almost predict player for player what our lineup was going to be. This year, because of players out of form or players injured, it's just been so difficult to get any form of consistency. The last couple of weeks, again, is the first time really we've been happy with that lineup and the the, the players. It's been sort of unchanged, really. It'll been maybe one change. Uh, so yeah, our biggest challenge is just to keep keep consistent, um, keep those players fit. You know, Jimenez possibly isn't too far away from a return, which would be huge for us. And just trying to get a good run of form between now and the end of the season, try and finish as high as we can. And that good form into the start to start next season. With all of this in mind, what sort of finishing position do you expect from Wolves by the end of the season? I think at the start of the season, I think we would have all wanted sort of top six, top seven again. Uh, but with where we are now, you know, for such a a lot of fans will say it's been a poor season. We're only four points at the moment, four points behind what we were on last season. So I think it's still very much achievable. I'm not saying we're going to get top seven, but if we can squeeze into the top half, I think that would be a huge achievement for, for where we've been for the majority of the season. Let's talk about the, the game that's coming up on Friday then. So what did you make of the last game between these two sides? It was a really strange one, actually, Leeds Wolves uh, last time. Uh, obviously, we got the three points, but that first half performance from Wolves is really, really strange. Uh, sat 11 men behind the ball. Uh, it was all Leeds, really, just sort of firing at us and just couldn't find a way through. And there were a lot of Wolves fans disappointed on social media at half time, saying, what on earth are we doing? Um, but it, 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 it sort of worked, you know, second half. I don't know what it was. Wolves just came out a little bit more. I don't know if it took Leeds by surprise. Or or what? But um, yeah, we had a I think a good goal by Sace, which was uh, ruled out offside, and then Jimenez in the end, albeit quite fortunate with that deflection. But it was a bit of a smash and grab win. 
if will Wolves play the same way on Sunday, I'm not. I'm not so sure. But um, yeah, it was, it was an intriguing game, and uh, it was interesting to see. And and I was w- wondering still why Nuno played that sort of way first off. But whatever we did second half seemed to work. What do you think will happen this time around in terms of the tactics? Do you think that it will be a, a slightly different game? Possibly. I think there's a little bit less pressure on Wolves now um, because, you know, we're out of the FA Cup. We can still play our strongest team now. And I think, you know, between now and the end of the season, I think we're in a position now we shouldn't shouldn't need to worry too much about getting dragged into any sort of relegation battle. Um, And he could just, you know, test out different styles and systems and roles for players and hopefully go for it a little bit more. With us being at home, not that that makes much of a difference. I don't think we're going to sort of sit deep like we did last time. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how cautious Nuno is. We know what Leeds are like, that high press, you know, can be so dangerous um, and capitalise on those Wolves' mistakes. So that's what I'm going to be intrigued with, how cautious Wolves set up on Friday. We've mentioned Raul Jimenez's injury and how important that is. How well do you think Wolves have adapted without him? Probably not brilliantly, you would you could say. Um, I think it goes back to the poor recruitment, you could argue. And, uh, you know, our last few windows, um, not just this season, last season, uh, have been poor, really. Um, we brought in the likes of Patrick Catrone a couple of years ago as a back, who's meant to be sort of a backup or someone challenger for Jimenez. That didn't work out. And some had just gone. Obviously, we signed Fabio Silva for a club record fee. And the plan was never for him to get the amount of game time that he's got this season. He, it was a, a long-term plan, really, to try and bed him in the team over the next few years. Um, so when Jimenez was injured and your only backup striker is Fabio Silva because we have no one else. And obviously, Catrone was out on loan at the time. It was a little bit of a concern. Unfortunately for Fabio, he didn't quite hit the ground running. He's had a couple of good performances, uh, but most of them have been sort of average um, so we've really lacked a proper goal scorer. There's been a couple of games, especially around the Christmas period, which were really fine margins, where we conceded last last kick of the game to Manchester United to lose one nil. We drew to Spurs one one. Um, you know, there was a number of games where if we had a proper striker, you know, you you, you could argue we'd be in a much better position. Um, we brought Willie and Jose in now, who has very similar characteristics to Raul with the how well built he is and how uh you know how good his hold up play is but what we need off him is a little bit more end product I think at the moment he's still being very very careful with how he plays I think us as fans now need to see him being a little bit more selfish in front of goal he gets himself in good positions and always wants to seem to lay it off I'd rather him you know turn on goal get a shot away because he gets some serious power behind his shot so yeah, it's taken a while. I think we slowly and short but surely have found, you know, an okay replacement for Raul. But between uh, between when Raul got injured and up till sort of mid January, it was disastrous, really. Let's talk about the wider injury picture at the moment. Then, how are you looking injury wise? Obviously, Jimenez is the the big one that he's still out injured at the moment. Um, Daniel Pedence is out injured. Uh, it's been a strange season for him as well, in and out of the team with a couple of little injuries. So he's out for the next few weeks. And Willie Bolly as well um, is out injured. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we're playing a back five. I think we could only really play a back four with with Bolly in there. So yeah, Bolly, Pedence, uh, and Jimenez, I believe, are the three that I can think off the top of my head. We've Johnny is back now, who's been out for a long time. Uh, Ryan Eight, Nori and Marcel, all three actual, uh, actually left wing backs for us are back now. Um, but yeah, other than, other than that, I think it is just Pedence, uh, Jimenez and Bolly. So how do you think you're going to line up on Friday? 
I think it'll be like the five-two-three or the three-four-three that we've we've been seeing Wolves play the last few weeks. Um, I think we'll probably be unchanged after our game against Southampton. If I'm honest, there may be one change, but I would probably say it'll be Patricio in goal, um, a back three of Romain Saiz, Cody, and then Donka started. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him dropped for Max Kilman. Um, left wing back Johnny, right wing back Samedo, uh, two central midfielders of Ruben Neves and Jao Martinho. And then a front three of Pedro Neto, Adama Traore and William Jose. And the question that I always ask, uh, which of your players need to perform well to beat Leeds? Definitely, I'd say our two wingers, so Pedro Neto and Adama Traore. Um, Adama is so hit and miss, you know, he, got so, he had a lot of eyes on him last season because he had a really decent season, started getting a few goals and a lot more assists this season. I believe in the Premier League, he's not got a single goal or assist, but off the ball, uh, he's improving a lot, he's getting into good areas, drawing a lot of fouls, getting some creating key chances really. So I think it's just a matter of time with how much he's improved over the last few weeks. I think it's a matter of time before we see him get a goal contribution. And Pedro Neto has been unbelievable. Definitely Wolves player of the season so far. Um, obviously capped it off with a goal uh, at the weekend against Southampton. So we're hoping that he can grow on those performances some you know huge hope for him with a player at just 20 years of age huge potential um so yeah if those two perform i think leeds are going to be in for a, a busy busy evening you've had the chance to watch leeds for most of us half of the season at least now how do you think wolves fans are feeling about the prospect of playing them again i think i think we know it's uh it's a difficult difficult game i know leeds get that little bit of stick because the the press praise them quite a fair bit to be fair but i mean they're in a good position for a team that have just come up and it was such, such a difficult time for leeds you know it took so long to get into the premier league and i think they've improved in good areas uh, you look at some of the players that you you've you've brought in and you know I'd, I'd love to sign a couple of those players as well but uh, yeah i i think Wolves fans would be lying if they if they uh, said they weren't worried for this game. I am because, you know, I think with Bielsa, what he'll want is just to get a little bit more consistency, especially defensively, I suppose, because of the amount of goals they're conceding. But um, I think you're always going to get that with the with the way he sets up and the way he plays. But yeah, I think, you know, it's been a good season for Leeds and it's definitely going to be a tough game for Wolves. And which Leeds players in particular worry you? I liked Rafinha. I thought he was a, a great signing um, when when you guys got him in. Uh, Banford as well has, has been a really strange one. I honestly thought, and not just him to be fair, there was a few players that were signed by clubs this year or players that have been, you know, come up with their clubs and I thought they're just not going to do it, do too well. I thought, you know, I think a lot of Leeds fans probably thought the likes of Rodrigo probably just sitting that up, uh, up top and Banford probably wouldn't get a sniff this season, but his contribution and the amount of goals has been fantastic for you guys. And uh, like I said, Rafinha has done... Um, really well I think he's taken to the Premier League quite well uh, but there's a couple of other players you know getting getting in there as well I think you know I mean I'm judging this based off my fantasy Premier League but the likes of Dallas and so on having decent performances getting a couple of assists and so on as well so yeah I think all round Leeds have got some uh, decent performers in there and finally I don't ask for predictions feel free to give one if you want to how do you expect the game to go that's what I'm interested in how do you expect the ebb and flow of the game to to go on Friday night well, Wolves are very much uh, we we used to be, and we've seen it a little bit more the last few weeks. Very much a second half team, um, so I'd expect Leeds to probably have the front foot, uh, front foot uh, for majority of that first half. Like I said earlier, I don't expect Wolves to sit as deep as we did in that first game. Uh, it still baffles me to that day uh, to, to 
to the this day why we played like that really but obviously it worked um but yeah i'd expect the leads to have the front foot for the majority of the first half possibly the first half an hour or so and walls will slowly grow into it i think it's whoever gets first blood really if leads get the first goal and continue to attack you know they could they could easily get three points uh but if walls can you know take it as late as they can before you know and, and not concede i think that'd be that'd be huge really so yeah i think wolves are very much a second half team so for leeds they need to try and get a goal as early as they can really well david so it was a pleasure chatting to you what is the best way for our listeners to find out what you're putting out on the internet yeah yeah so uh yeah it's talking wolves on youtube twitter instagram facebook uh, on youtube we do you know match previews reviews fans react as well where the fans send their thoughts in as well um so yeah check us out at talking wolves well thank you so much for coming on today no my pleasure thank you for having me when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So that was Dave as a party of Talking Wars and Football Manager. Uh, let's start with you, Joe. What was thrown up in your mind as you were listening to Dave talk? Well, I thought it was really interesting him mentioning Nuno uh, wanting to play a bit more attacking. Um, I think we've had that with a few teams in the Premier League, really, where they're not having an identity crisis, but there's just somewhat between styles um, and wanting to change it. Um, and it just sort of made me think, about how Leeds can benefit from that and how how Leeds can take advantage of it, really, because obviously there there is um, plenty of advantage to be taken if if a team is going through that phase. And Dave was saying that they they've really not pulled off playing more attacking football. Um, I think they did a job on us at Ellen Road. To be honest, I think they, um, you know, like Dave was saying, eleven men behind the ball, and then second half they they probably. I don't know if they deserve to to win really. I mean, they had that offside goal, which was pretty decent, and then um, Jimenez's goal was huge deflection, which was sort of a shot to nothing. Um, so may, maybe a nil nil draw would have been fair for that game. But um, obviously, the the onus is kind of on them when they're playing at home. I, I know there's no fans, but I think teams still have that feeling that they need to put on a bit more of a show when they're at home, and you know they need to be a bit more dominant. So I'm kind of hoping that. Wolves do want to play out a bit more and do play a bit more attacking um, because I think we really struggle to break down their structure at Ellen Road and if they can if they can displace their structure by by attacking us then um, obviously there's going to be some holes there for us to exploit. Just talking to Dave I was sort of struck by how 
fluid Wolves have been this season and, and they have moved from that sort of, as he said, he, he couldn't get his head around why they played so defensively against Leeds. Um, and I mean, obviously it kind of worked out, but, I, you know, looking back at the at the figures for the, the XG figures for that game, we pr- produced much better quality chances than they did throughout the, the game. So I'm not even sure that that approach really worked. Um, and I, I suspect that we will probably see the same sort of structure. I think we'll see that three four three again because Wolves seem to have moved back to it recently. And um, I guess my 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 question then is sort of how do we how do we see those differences emerging within that system? Like what what does a more attacking version of that three four three look like? Do we think? I suppose it's the you're looking for the centre backs um, to to push a bit higher up, obviously. With having putting an extra centre back in there can can really hinder you if they if they don't do that. Um, and by the sounds of it, you know I I've, I don't know too much about um, their centre backs in detail, but it sounds like Dave wasn't really happy with it, and he didn't really feel that Connor Cody was one to to uh, go forward with Wolves um, for for maybe next season and beyond. Um, I guess that's one of the ways that you can um, play more attacking in that structure is is just having the fullbacks. Um, uh, sorry, the the centre backs pushing higher up the pitch you're looking for the outside center backs to get probably further apart than the middle one and closer towards the halfway line and then obviously giving the full back or the wing backs um huge amounts of space um to to sort of get where a normal winger would play um i'm not sure if wolves are reluctant to do that uh they maybe they don't feel they have the players i know that they've toyed with playing treore as a wing back which um would be very attacking in that structure um because you know he's he's just getting up the pitch dribbling around players being really high high up the pitch in general um and not doing much defensive work so i guess that's that's how they could do it in theory but um yeah it seems like they're probably reluctant to to play that attacking yeah the lack of enthusiasm for connor cody just felt to me incredibly damning of gareth southgate who seems to have changed his entire system and uh and a way of playing in order to accommodate Cody at the back, like he's he's finally the answer, and and Wolves have decided maybe oh, he's not good enough for mid table in the Premier League. Well, he was man of the match against Leeds last time, wasn't he? Um, he was getting all the plaudits. Um, so I was quite shocked to hear that from Dave. But it was a game that suits him, though, right? It was a, it was very much a sort of back to the wall, jump around and block shots kind of game, yeah. which I think probably suits him in that respect. Tom, what's your question um, that was raised by by Dave? Well, I, I just thought it, it was interesting hearing him talk about that last game because to me, this the previous game against Wolves had almost faded into um, distant memory as one of those games that was almost emblematic of our failure to break down a deep line defence. But then hearing him talk about it, I remembered that it wasn't quite as simple as that and we did have good chances in that game and we could have easily come away with something. Um, so it, it was an interesting uh, reminder that you know, the narratives that kind of rule us all in these situations. And it's interesting to get another look back and another perspective on that game. That was something that struck me as I was trying to plan what we were doing this morning, because it feels as though we were quite worried about Wolves last time mm. and perhaps were not right to be worried about them in that we were overrating them a bit. I think back then we were we were more worried still about the things that we were worried about in the championship. And I think that we've sort of progressed from there now to realise that we don't quite play in the same way. And even if we did, I think we'd probably prefer teams to be a bit more backs to the wall than than we, we didn't want that in the championship. And now I think we do want that a bit more. 
Perhaps, yeah. I, I mean, they were back to, back to the wall in that game. And it, in the first half, we, we created a fair amount. But it felt as though after they scored the goal, we just didn't create anything. Um, and and so, I, I yeah, look, if we're given the option of playing them and, and creating over an XG more than them, I think we'll all take that, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think this time around, I, I feel like we're probably going to underrate them. I think because we're going to say, you know, our Wolves had had a poor season. They've had two seasons where they finished seventh. They're not going to do that this season. And they've just looked a little bit more ominous in the last few games that they've played. So They're unbeaten in three, aren't they? And I always feel with, with defensive teams, when they get into a spiral of losing, um, it's difficult for them because they're doing very boring things and it's not even getting them results whereas I think once you pick up a couple of results that belief comes back a bit more and the players start to commit to the ideas a little bit more and it can be a lot trickier to play against defensive teams when they've got the bit between the teeth like that. I massively agree with Tom um, I think we've seen a, that a lot with Spurs this season where they, they play ma- hugely defensive football um, and the second they s- start dropping points and losing a couple of games in the row um, the fans can easily turn on them, um, and we we might be the the interview with Dave might be very different had they lost the last couple of games because he sort of touched on it, but he did mention the same thing where um, you know when they play when they play that defensive, it's really hard for the fans if if they don't get the three points. So I think he was probably more positive, like Tom said, because because it, it's been working out the past few games. Um, I think for me, maybe it's just from an entertainment point of view, I'd kind of prefer if they just came out and attacked us um, and left some space in behind. Um, But I do agree that I think it could be very difficult if they play the way they did at Ellen Road. And I think we might struggle to create decent chances unless they uh, decide to to be a bit more attacking. Well, let's talk about the structure, uh, as we always do in these podcasts. Um, I think we'll probably see the 3-4-3. Wolves have played a 4-3-3, but... I don't think it particularly translated into a, a run of good results. Let me just have a look. So they played about four against Southampton and Drew. They beat Arsenal playing 4-2-3-1. Um, and then they had a 4-3-3 against Liverpool that just got shelled 4-0. Villa got shelled 1-0. It's not getting shelled, is it? But it sounds better for my narrative. Um, they lost to. They beat Chelsea playing 5-3-2, uh, it says. Um, and then Spurs, they drew with a back four. Brighton, they drew with a back four. Crystal Palace, they beat with a back four in the FA Cup. Everton, they lost to with a back four. West Brom, they lost to with a back four. And then they decided, wait a minute, we're losing to West Brom with a back four. This probably isn't the best way forward. Uh, and then they switched back to their, their, their back three. And since then, they've lost to Palace. Uh, and that's it. They drew with Chelsea. They drew with Leicester. They beat Arsenal. And they beat Southampton. Although they did lose in the FA Cup to Southampton, but it, it seems then that they've they've sort of done with this experiment with about four. So I think we're pretty safe in saying they'll probably go with a three four three, and that means they will go with a four four two. How do we feel about the four four two? It's been a while since we played it. Um, Tom Tom Woodhead, how do you feel about the four four two? Oh, when I was listening to the interview and he started, he said, oh, we've started playing a back four. It was, you know, that Jack Nicholson gif where he's just like, <laughs> yes, yes. And he said, oh, but we've gone back to a back three and I was, my hopes were immediately dashed. Um, it's just, we, we all know by now, don't we? It's just the hardest structure for us to set up against. Um, it will be interesting to see if we do the same things with pressing that we've been doing recently, where Harrison's been picking up one of the centre-backs rather than um, the most advanced central midfielder. 
Yeah, I think so. I'm just going to, I'm trying to think of the teams that we've played against in a th- back three and see how many of them we've come away with decent results in. But um, there's not been a huge amount. I don't think we've played against a huge amount of back threes this season. So Sheffield United, obviously, we got that win in 3-5-2 against a 3-5-2. So um, I guess that's not us playing in a 4-4-2. Um, Burnley, we played in uh, in the 3-3-1-3. Um, and I mean, it, we, we won, but it didn't look particularly pretty. Uh, Palace... No, Palace played in a four four two when we played them, didn't they? The so first we barely, Leicester game. Yeah, first Leicester game and I guess the Wolves game. Mm. So um some of the uh, transfer marked formations are out of whack. So Brighton Brighton played a back three as well, didn't they? Yeah, that's that's true. Um Brighton Yeah, see you see it's got Brighton down as a four three three attacking, but that's just Did not Everton true. play a back three in the first game as well, I think. Oh yeah, no, they did. You're right. Well, we won that, so my narrative is actually completely flawed. Yeah. Although <laughs> I mean Against, I mean, Everton were were bad for other reasons, right? Um, in that they were just very, very passive, and they gave Calvin Phillips all the space in the world. Wolves, yeah. Look, I, I don't know. I, I can't, my issue with the four four two is this: the 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 issue is is that when you play like a pivot player like we do, and you play two eights as we do, and then you kind of shift the structure a little bit to deal with the fact that the players that they're going to be marking are in different situations you then have the situation where you're pushing your pivot forward into a into an eight position and you're pushing one of your eights into a basically second striker position now as you've said it could be interesting if we do something slightly different but I, I'm, I'm not sure how that that looks <laughs> structurally mm, no. because if you push I guess if you push Harris I guess you could do something like have Dallas pushing across onto the wide player and and uh, Harrison pushing onto the the, the outside centre back and and then you've got Click or Rodrigo and then Strauch on the two eights. Um, I don't know that may be a little bit too too far. I mean, it, who knows? Like what we could just play a straight up four four two. And I, I guess this is one of one of my questions: is that you know how do you feel about Pascal Strauch playing as? a man marker on one of the two eights. So essentially you've got Strauch plus probably Dallas as the two central midfielders there. And then you've got Click probably pushing forward. Um would it not just be would it not be better to just play no defensive pivot in that sense? And I, I guess then the question becomes in the build up phase when the when the central midfielder obviously drops in, um uh, which player you would want doing the build up work there. Um but in terms of the defensive side of things, you, you're not going to be tracking a 10 around. But um, So I, I suppose it, it does make it slightly interesting. But I'll, I'll throw this over to you guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Joe. What's your, what's your take on the, the 4-4-2 against a 3-4-3? How do you feel about that as a, as a general uh, tactical approach? I think if we were doing an out-and-out 4-4-2, um, 100%, then I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play Strauch in midfield. I'd play him at centre-back, Ailing at right-back, and then Dallas and Click... Um, as the two centre midfielders, um, I sort of have a feeling that we're gonna keep the uh, keep the players the same as the last game, and it's gonna be a kind of hybrid thing where, like you say, Strauch is pushing up um, onto one of the centre midfield players, um, and Dallas is maybe sort of covering Harrison. Harrison's kind of a second striker, but I think it's gonna be that kind of hybrid weird look. Um, about it, um, in which case I don't really mind seeing Strauch there because it, it, you know, it's nice to have him in the build-up, dropping in, like you say. Um, I think he's, I think he can be really effective in that area. Um, 
but yeah, it's an interesting one, really, isn't it? Because um, I've sort of stuck and stuck between saying we'll we'll do an out and out four four two, which is going to look very different, or we're going to play kind of a four one four one hybrid um, with lots of players moving around. And I got a feeling it's going to be the latter. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't think under Bielsa we've ever really played two out-and-out strikers, right? We talk about a lot about having that uh, minus one inferiority up front, but we never, ever achieve it by playing a classic sort of two-striker system. I mean, the closest we get to it is sort of playing Harrison as a second striker in a 3-4-5-2. But we, in the 4-4-2, it's always a case of, well, we'll play essentially the 4-1-4-1 and we'll just sort of try and fudge it a little bit with with one of the central midfielders um so yeah i i I mean this is i don't think we'll see this but it would be i'd be interested to see maybe a system where you know you push harrison up as a second striker you then push alioski up as a as a wide left player uh, and then i guess you bring someone in at, at left back somehow um you probably don't want to have uh, Dallas. I mean, you could do. That. I mean, we've seen that happen. That's what happened against the fourth three four three against Leicester uh, last time. Right, we saw Dallas dropping in to to sit on Madison in that wide area, and Alioski pushed forward, um, and it worked fine. I thought so. It would be interesting to see if we see that uh, repeated. But um, Tom Tom Woodhead, what's your take? The thing about Strauch, uh, in it, it's interesting that we're talking about Shackleton earlier, and I think this is one of the situations where I wouldn't mind. Shackleton in midfield so much um uh, that sort of situation where it is a bit more box to box and it's about getting up and down the pitch and being able to do both jobs I think Shackleton would possibly do that quite well um so I do I do half wonder if we'll see the same personnel but with it switched around so that strike is back to center back and Ailing goes to right back and then Shackleton does push into midfield um that said I think what you've described with the um uh the sort of left hand uh, sort of ballet is uh is probably more likely um I, I also think what what will possibly happen is that we'll play Strauch at center back and Dallas will sort of be nominally the deepest player a lot of times and then everyone will say afterwards you see Dallas can play defensive midfield you were wrong and uh and then we'll get called arrogant for trying to explain why that wasn't quite the same <laughs> yeah well I, I wait the uh, angry tweets and emails with a great anticipation yeah let's so let's talk about the advanced role then who personally would you like to see doing the press on the back three it does depend who plays um I think if if Roberts comes into the team which I think is a possibility albeit a small one I would quite like to see how Roberts does because he wants to play up front. That's the position he considers to be his position. So, and I think he's he is quite a good presser. Um, he's he's quietly uh, become kind of inculcated in the system, and he knows where he needs to be and 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 when he needs to do it. Um, uh, and so I lost my train of thought there. Yeah. So so I, if uh yeah if 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 he does play if Roberts does play I would quite like to see him doing that pressing on the centre back but otherwise I would expect it to be Harrison and that's also the player I'd like to see that's a good point actually I hadn't I had been thinking about this the the idea of it actually playing starting Tyler Roberts in the system and then you can essentially play him as just a second striker and then you've got a midfield I suppose of Harrison Strauch Dallas and um and Rafinha and then two two forwards of Roberts and uh, and Bamford and I think that I think that would work quite well. And the other thing I've been thinking about Tyler Roberts recently, because you know we, we've done a, we've done a few things on on Tyler Roberts being uh, pretty pretty good when he's come on, is that he's just he's the young he's easily the youngest player we play in midfield. Pretty much. I mean, 
assuming that the you know the the Pascal Strauch uh, position isn't um, exactly a midfield position, but he's easily like the youngest, most mobile player we play in that in that system, and, and, and unless we play Shackleton there, and I think part of the reason he makes a, a difference is he just he's just very mobile, um, and you know he's got a level of physicality that really works with with pressing as well. Um, so that would be quite fun to see, I think, a, a sort of if we see the the four four two with with Roberts as basically the the more advanced eight becoming the the striker. I think that might look quite good. I think with Roberts, the the sort of um, the the tug of war that that happens with him is that sometimes he just tries too much and 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 tries to impress too much and fucks it up. Or sometimes he plays too conservatively and is worried about fucking up. And and in the last few games, he seems to have found more of a balance between those two things. And I, it just makes him so much more effective to me. His decision making seems to have really improved. Yeah, and I think he's being encouraged to to sort of pick the ball up and dribble. And the reason why the second half was so good against Arsenal um, was, I think, because we got so many players in the central spaces who are just quite dynamic and could pick the ball up and dribble. We brought on Helder Costa um, and we had Rafinha on the other side. They're both good ball carriers. We had Jamie Shackleton, who's a good ball carrier, and we had Tyler Roberts. And suddenly, you know, the the man marking that was being we were being put under pressure from by Arsenal was was a lot more open, and we were seeing players turn their their, their markers and and get in behind, and um, it it made a big difference. So I think I think again we we the constant issue with Leeds midfield. Um, is that we when we play Click and Rodrigo, they're they're two similar players. They 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 both try and achieve things in the same sorts of way. And when you have both of them playing, if 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 one of them isn't working, then both of them de facto aren't working. So I, I think the, the nice thing about Tyler Roberts is that if one of them is if if Click or Rodrigo isn't working, and you and you've got Tyler Roberts on next to them, then maybe then maybe he will work. Um, so I'm sure we're going to start seeing him brought into play more and more often. Uh, Joe, I'll bring you in on this. What's your take on on playing Tyler Roberts as a as a potential sort of forward hybrid player? I would like to see it. To be honest, I think it'd be quite exciting um, to see. And I think I I don't think that Bielsa thinks this way. But I think given our position in the table, given that um, we've almost certainly done enough um, to remain in the division, it um, for me, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of. Um, experimentation and seeing us play an out and out four four two with um, Roberts Bamford up front and then the midfields um, Harrison Click Dallas and Rafinha and then Strout to centre back where I think he's best. Um, but as I say, I don't think that's Bielsa's philosophy at all, and I don't think we'll see him just messing around with formations just to try it out. Um, and for that reason, I think it'll likely be Harrison um, pushing up as the second striker and then sort of dropping back um, in possession or out of possession, you know, playing the fluid role that um, we've seen a couple of times. Um, but if, you know, if I was just on FIFA or if a football manager, then absolutely I'd just play out and out four four two just for the fun of it because I, I would love to see how Roberts does in that role. I think it's important to stress as well that when we talk about going to a four four two, it doesn't mean that we stop doing any rotations and we stop the kinds of movements that we do in normal games. Like it, it is purely just a result of that logic that Bielsa has regarding um, having an extra man at the back and and a minus one up front. Uh, we still try and play in the same way. We wouldn't suddenly be lumping it up to the big man and hoping for the <laughs> best. It would it would still be you know Bielsa ball. Uh, let's talk about Wolves then. Who are we worried about in particular? Dave mentioned um, 
Pedro Neto and uh, Adama Traore, both of whom I would have highlighted as my my players to worry about. Probably more worried on the Pedro Neto side of things, to be honest. But uh, how about you, Joe? Who are you worried about on the Wolves side? I do agree uh, with both of those. And I feel a bit cursed because on the Arsenal preview, I said I was worried about Aubameyang, even though he'd not done that much this season. Um, I said, you know, he can pull something out of nowhere and then he scored a hat-trick. Um, and I kind of feel the same way towards Traore in that, um, like Dave said, he doesn't know if he's registered a goal or an assist this season. And I'm not sure of that either. But I do think he's that kind of player, especially if he's up against Alioski. That's just a really frightening thing to think about because Traore is an absolutely elite dribbler. Um, you know, on one on 1v1 situations, he's just unbelievable. His pace is ridiculous. It's it's funny because he seems to just do exactly the same thing every time. He seems to just knock it on the outside and just beat the defender for pace um, and then just dink a little cross in and Jimenez will be on the end of it. And when I'm watching it, obviously it's easy for me to say sat on my sofa, but I'm just thinking he's going to go outside, he's going to go outside. Like, why can't the defender just stop it? And then Traore just beats it, beats the man every single time. And it might just be one of those things that's... Um, you, even if you know that he's going to do that, um, finding a way to stop it is nearly impossible. And I think that's probably the case. And so, w- yeah, with that in mind, I do agree that Traore is, is, is incredibly dangerous. And for me, he, he's my one to watch. Wolves are always one of those teams where I start to show my ignorance a little bit. It's funny that Joe was talking about it being like FIFA or football manager. Like a lot of the names, when I look at the team sheet of Wolves, it's just like this gelatinous Portuguese mass that I kind of (laughs) only half recognise from like hearing snatches of names on podcasts and things. And because Wolves are quite a boring team to watch at the moment, I almost never watch them as a neutral because it's just dull. Like they're they're so defensive. So I don't get to know, um, you know, the intricacies of the players in the same way as I maybe would like a team like Leicester who are a bit more interesting to watch. Um, I think Traore is, 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 is the obvious, you know, big, bad, scary thing. Um, and I, I mean, and with him and as out, um, I'm not sure who else they've got is particularly dangerous. I mean, is, is Neves playing at the moment, like in midfield? Is he injured? No, he's playing. playing. So they'll probably yeah, play Moutinho and Neves as, as the yeah. central midfielders. I mean, I mean, it's it's a weird, I mean, that that is a good midfield, isn't it? But it, it always seems like they never have, quite have anything. Uh, they don't have anyone to play in a lot of the time. Um, because players aren't making runs so um, I don't know I can see you smiling John you can tell I'm out of my depth (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think for me Pedro Neto is I mean Dave said he's probably their player of the season Um, he's he strikes me as being a player who's who is supremely creative in in that sense he he is going to be yeah we can talk about Traore till the cows come home there's people who who argue that you know he's just one of these outlier players players who's just wildly the best dribbler probably of all time um but th- there's always questions about his end product um and you know you know he could do us and <laughs> we we were worried about him in the last um Wolves fixture because we were thinking you know Traore against Alioski sounds absolutely awful in every way um but he didn't cause as many problems in that game um for me I'm I'm sort of more worried about players who who do have that ability to just sort of change um, change situations. It worked out for them last time, right? Regardless of how lucky you think the Raul Jimenez goal was, Raul Jimenez does those sorts of things. And um, him not being in the team make, will make a big difference. But they've now got Pedro Neto back in. He's looking quite dangerous. And I'm always a little bit worried about a player who can just 
create that moment where regardless of how bad the opposition play and regardless of how well you manage to stop them from from being creative they can just change things around so um i definitely think um that he's he's probably the player that i'm most worried about um the other question that we ask is, is, is about Leeds players. So, Tom Woodhead, which player on the Leeds team do you think needs to play well for Leeds to beat Wolves on Friday? Well, one thing we've not mentioned is the possibility of Calvin Phillips actually being fit for this game. Um, and I think if he if he does manage to get fit, I don't know if that's possible or not. I think he this is definitely his sort of game. I think he's by far the player most suited to playing in, in that system where the floor has to push up into the eight role that we've got. Um, uh, and otherwise, I would say maybe Rafinha because Wolves are going to be sitting very deep. They're going to, you know, they're going to try and frustrate us. So we will need someone to provide that creative spark. And it's it's been mostly Rafinha doing that for us lately. The other player that I'd add to this is Melier. Um, not because I think he's going to be battered with loads of shots on target, because I'm not sure that's how it's going to pan out. But I think just from a confidence point of view, I think he, he'll be aware that he made a couple of mistakes in the last game. And obviously, you just like to see players get straight back onto good form after one bad game, and you don't want it to sort of spiral down. Um, and I, I don't think he's, I also don't think he's the type of player that's going to let it affect him. I think he is quite strong mentally, um, but he can really show it this game and, you know, make, make a few important saves um, where it's necessary. I don't think there's going to be loads to do. Um, but make sure his distribution um, is on point. And then for a confidence point of view going forward, I think that's going to really help him. So he's he's my other one to add to that, yeah. Yeah, and I think Bielsa will want him to keep doing everything the same as he's been doing in terms of distribution. Uh, you know, if there's a player closing him down, he won't want him to panic and boot it into the stands. He'll still want him to try and find the pass. So hopefully we'll see that he's not lost any confidence in that, in that sense. And so finally, the question is, how do we think the game is going to pan out? Tom, we'll go with you first. It's going to be uh, Wolves defending, Leeds attacking, and then Wolves will probably break and score a goal and it'll be 1-0. <laughs> I agree with, with the first half of Tom's prediction. Um, <laughs> I think that's spot on. I sort of fancy Leeds um, to get a goal in this one. Um, and um, I, I think Wolves Wolves could easily nick one too. So I think it could easily be a one-all draw, um, if not obviously backing leads to hopefully nick it although one thing i noticed when i was looking back at wolves results sorry to just go off on a on a tangent but um most of their losses i think they've lost 10 games and seven of them have been by one goal um and two of the other three losses were to liverpool and man city um and one was west ham which is sort of a bit of an outlier but um all of their losses have been incredibly close so i think it's going to it's going to fit that um narrative and it's going to be a quite a tight game well there you have it that's the all stats aren't we wolves preview episode if you are still wanting more of our beautiful voices then you're in luck because there is a way that you can get hold of that we have a patreon channel which allows you to get bonus material i have just put up a review of the arsenal game as a video analysis we're also having a live stream q a session on thursday evening just for the patrons only as well where you can send in your questions and we will spend all the time in the world discussing them uh, three people who've done that this week and joined our patreon is saw sender ryan goff and ian sugden so thank you guys for doing that and we'll be back on sunday with a review episode so all there is for me to do is to say thank you tom thank you and thank you joe cheers and hopefully you'll enjoy the game on Friday.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.